listening to the On the NBA Beat podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular by Michael Jordan. And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Hello, this is Aaron. Virtually the entire NBA world flocked to Charlotte last weekend. Our Joshua Fishman was among them. So, without further ado, let's bring him on to discuss the unforgettable experience. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was my first time covering NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah, it sounds like an exciting opportunity We were regularly in touch throughout the weekend, even though you were extremely busy. And so I got a little taste of what you were experiencing secondhand that way. But can you walk me through the genesis of that, how you ended up covering the weekend there? So for my graduate school program at Northwestern, where I'm studying journalism, 11 of us in my class with Professor Jay Adonde, we got to go to Charlotte to cover NBA All-Star Weekend. All of the the students in my program got to go somewhere, and I was lucky enough to go to Charlotte. And we were there from Wednesday afternoon, and we left just before the actual All-Star game itself on Sunday. So we were there for like four full days. It was amazing. Yeah, that's a special opportunity. You got there Wednesday, you said? Yeah. What were the days like before the festivities began that we could watch on TV? What were you doing in in those days? So on Thursday, I decided to go to an NBA Cares event at West Charlotte High School, which is actually, actually has the distinction of being the first U.S. high school to be desegregated. So the NBA donated a lot of um, cool stuff. They donated shoes and a year-long membership for the meditation app Headspace to 100 students um, at the school, the basketball teams and the band. The school has 1,800 students, so obviously not everyone could get that stuff. But the fact that this inner-city high school that doesn't have many resources, the NBA was able to help out And not only did they donate money and resources, but they also brought Chris Middleton and WNBA All-Star Stephanie Dolson from the Chicago Sky, who played in the Celebrity Game. I actually interviewed her after that event. Glenn Rice was there, Ron Harper as well. And um, it was just a great event where they, the basketball players ran some drills with the students, and the students were led through a meditation workshop. I really enjoyed interviewing Stephanie Dolson. I I got a lot of time with her, and she was very personable and accessible that evening. Um, Something interesting that that happened before I started interviewing her was when I was about to interview Stephanie, we saw out of of my periphery, I I saw a ball coming straight for Stephanie's head. She's 6'5", so it wouldn't have hit me. It would have just went right over me like a line drive and hit her in the face. But I reacted really quickly, and with my fingertips, I deflected it 
sorry, not my finger, with my fingers, I deflected, bent back my fingers, but um, it didn't hit her in the head. So, so then we looked over and we saw that Glenn Rice was following through with his shot and pretending to not see the fallout of the ugly flat three-pointer that he had just clanked. And Stephanie said something to, to him to the effect of, you're trying to kill me, Glenn, or something? But but he pretended like he didn't notice. And then um, on Saturday night, you saw him shooting for charity before the three-point competition and uh, didn't didn't shoot very well that night either. Yeah, <laughs> he did okay. He, he was better than Del Curry and, and a lot of the other retired shooters, I thought. He, he might have been a little better. He's clearly out of shape and um, has not been shooting consistently. So you don't expect him to be good, but it's kind of ironic. You have one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history, and he almost hits the person you're interviewing in the face with one of the ugliest three-pointers you'll ever see. So it was, it was a fun story. Mark Price and Del Curry also didn't shoot very well. And I forgot who else. Do you remember who else? Ray Allen. Oh, yeah. Ray Allen did not look good, even though he was shooting well in what I saw of the celebrity game. Yeah, you had Glenn Rice. uh, Sorry, you had Del Curry doing two racks. He did the the corners. And then each of the other three guys, Ray Allen, Mark Price, and Glenn Rice, they each had a rack. And um, do you remember what they combined for? Ten points, right? It was eight. They they combined for eight points, oh, uh, and and they they rounded way up for charity, so that was good. It's also a <laughs> reminder that it's really easy to get rusty, and and I think that makes it even more impressive how these NBA players are able to put up twenty five points or more in a three point competition round. I have a question about that NBA cares event was there a finite number of spots that northwestern students could be credentialed for for the nba cares events pretty much um you just had to to request through the nba pr point person for for um, that particular event whether you wanted to attend or not and there wasn't much demand and there were not a lot of media members at any of the nba cares events that's kind of a, a life hack for covering NBA All-Star Weekend for journalists. <laughs> the NBA Cares events are great opportunities to meet and talk to players, unless they're like a Stephen Curry or LeBron James, in which case they're always going to be hounded. But yeah. the lesser-known people, um, you'll have tons of time with them. You can ask them whatever they want. They're also, they also tend to be a lot more relaxed in that type of setting. They're, they're generally happy to be contributing to the community and doing philanthropy and whatever you want to know. They're, they're pretty helpful. So I, I got to talk to Joe Harris on Friday, um, at the end, this NBA cares event, um, that was at a playground nearby that was being refurbished. And I talked to Joe Harris and Reggie Bullock. And um, it ended up being really fortuitous for me because I got all this inside information from Joe Harris because I was there and talked to this player everyone else was neglecting, and he ended up winning it. So I, I learned um, that that he had never competed in a three-point competition before. He didn't say that um, publicly anywhere else. And also, I saw him struggling 
to to hang signage NBA commemorative signage along with Reggie Bullock for like half an hour and these guys were actually putting in hard labor trying to make these signs fit because none of them really fit that was just kind of cool to see and no one else was there to observe it really that's really interesting it is Reggie Bullock right I was never sure if it was Bullock or Bullock I asked his publicist just to make sure and, and she said it's Bullock Okay. So, so a hundred percent going along with the events that you were able to cover, what was the protocol on that as far as who within your program got to go to which events? The way that it was chosen was the 11 students who went to Charlotte ranked their top five events that they wanted to cover. And then our professor looked at, at those rankings and had to, to figure out um, who should cover each one, looking at people's skills and talents and balancing that with with what people's individual preferences were. I ranked the three-point competition first, and I was lucky enough to be chosen to cover it. Let's talk a little bit more about the three-point competition. So they added two more competitors this year, so there were 10. A lot of really good three-point shooters in it highlighted most prominently by hometown guys Stefan and his brother Seth Curry and Devin Booker, last year's three-point winner, was also competing, as was Charlotte Hornets all-star Kemba Walker. Not as known as a three-point shooter as a lot of the other competitors, but playing in front of his home crowd. A lot of people were talking about the Curry element of the competition and and picking either Stefan or Seth as a favorite or maybe even Devin Booker the guy who you interviewed at the event Joe Harris was not one of the favorites but he's quietly a very effective three-point shooter for the Brooklyn Nets and he's found a niche for himself in the NBA after being um, pretty overlooked again and again over the course of his career you wrote an incredible story on him after the event. We'll link that in the show notes. But did you see that going in, there were only a couple shooters who had worse odds to win the competition relative to Harris? No, I actually, even though I was covering the event, I I didn't look at the odds. I didn't I didn't see how how that would really impact my telling of of the story or um, covering the, the event. But in my mind, I thought Joe Harris could definitely win it. Going into the All-Star break, he was shooting 50% from the floor, about 47% from three. And um, I saw, I looked at Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Buddy Heald, and then Joe Harris. Those were the, the four guys I thought who would have the best chance to win. I also thought maybe Seth Curry could too. But especially those other guys, I was thinking these guys could take it. So I wasn't I wasn't very surprised, but I, I didn't know that you said he was fourth favored. Uh, he was tied for for the fifth best odds oh. with two other guys. But the way I phrased it was only three competitors had worse odds than him. And oh. if you're curious or not, I'm going to tell you anyway. The three <laughs> who had worst odds to win were Danny Green and Chris Middleton. And then the worst <laughs> odds of anyone was Dirk Nowitzki. 
And we yeah. saw how off he was on some of his shots. I'm surprised to hear that Kemba Walker's odds were higher. I know he's they he's were actually the, the same guy. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm surprised too. Harris, Damian Lillard, and Kemba Walker were all tied according to the odds that I'm looking at. But I agree with you, Harris. I would put ahead of Lillard and Walker. Yeah, Damian Lillard's an, an inflow clutch shooter. I don't see him doing so well in a in a three point contest. Um, and Kemba, I, I expected Kemba Walker to struggle, even though it was in Charlotte. And sometimes you'll see the the hometown bump in all star competitions. But yeah, Joe Harris, I, I was not surprised to see that he won. And that's why I spent spent some time with him. It, it wasn't just dumb luck. I thought this guy could win the competition. No one else is paying attention to him. Why don't I, I talk to him and see if he has anything interesting to say? And then um, if he wins, it could work out really well for me. And it did. A couple things also on Joe Harris's three-point shooting numbers. So he's been a really good three-point shooter for the last three NBA seasons. He really didn't get much playing time early in his career with the Cavaliers. So he shot 38.5% from three-point range two seasons ago, his first year with the Nets, on over four attempts per game. Then he rose the percentage to nearly 42 last season. And every year he keeps increasing the number of threes he attempts per game. And this year, as you alluded to, 46.6% from deep so a prolific three-point shooter and an accurate one whereas the other two guys we were mentioning Kemba Walker and Damian Lillard are effective three-point shooters but the percentage of their total field goals from three is a lot lower of course because they're the star player on their team who attempts the most shots so it's kind of a different role whereas Joe Harris has made it clear that right now he has a certain niche that he's filling for these successful Brooklyn Nets. He also appeared on Howard Beck's podcast, The Full 48. Howard was our most recent guest. And that was a really interesting discussion, very detailed, comprehensive. And they were talking about just that, his role with the Nets and how he doesn't try to do too much. He doesn't really practice a lot of on-ball things or or driving to the basket. He pretty much just shoots where he expects to get the ball in-game, in the flow of the game. And and so he doesn't really shoot from rack. So that was, did he talk to you about that at all, that, that he wanted to make sure to practice shooting off of racks because that's kind of an unnatural thing for for shooters? Yeah, he did. So when I talked to him the day before at the NBA Cares event, he hadn't yet practiced shooting off of racks. And um, he didn't, I kind of thought, wow, this guy just seems like he's happy to be in the competition. He's not really that being that competitive about it. I talked to Buddy Heald the same day. And Buddy Heald said, I like my chances. I think I'm going to win. I've been preparing for this for a long time. Joe Harris basically just said that he was happy to compete and had not practiced by that point. But um, he said that he planned on doing it because he wasn't used to shooting from racks. And later that day, I believe, he did shoot. I think it was at a, a local high school, but I'm not, I'm not positive on that. 
So that's interesting that he that he covered that with with Howard also. Yeah, we talked about this briefly before. I didn't like, and I know you agree that there were only two rounds, ten competitors, only two rounds. It just seemed like it was kind of a wasted opportunity to get the most to see to see the best shooters one more time. I agree. I think they should have had another round. Devin Booker, for example, the defending shootout champion, he just missed the final round. If he had had one more point, um, he would have forced a, a tiebreaker shootout between him and Joe Harris to see who would have made it on. But um, I would have liked to see Booker in another round. I think this shootout had the most stacked field I've ever seen um, in the competition. And I think that like you said, they were underutilizing these guys that who everyone wanted to see by not allowing them to shoot a third round. Imagine if Stephen Curry didn't even didn't make the final. That would have been really bad. A lot of people would have would have been disappointed and just stopped watching. Yeah, I, I think what they should have done was had five advance of the ten and then the top two <laughs> or three of those five then just, just do a final round. I think that yeah. would have been good. Reggie Miller was talking about it on the telecast too. When he competed, there were three rounds. And it's just a lot more challenging too to continue to, to be draining all those threes when you have to shoot again for a, another minute nonstop. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think with the three-point contest... Skill really plays into it, but rhythm is also important. I just like how good shooters tend to perform well in this competition. It's not like the skills competition where or the skills challenge where it tends to to be a lot about luck or who wants it more and how are they going to game the system. Like with Trey Young and his his ridiculous dribbles that that are like passes to himself. <laughs> and and Jason Tatum at the end shooting from beyond half court to make the shot to win it. They need to really fix the rules of the skills challenge. That's an embarrassment, I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think people don't really take it that seriously. I don't think the NBA takes it that seriously either. And They so, should. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people don't take it seriously and enjoy it, have fun with it, so they don't really mind um, people trying to game the system, but I'm with you on that. I just I like structure and order and things and fairness, and I think that if you have those guidelines, it just makes it more enjoyable and that much more competitive. Yeah. Also, I don't like that if you don't get the pass through three times, you could just move on. You should have to make that pass to be able to continue to the next part of the contest. Yeah, I agree with that too. Because if one person gets it through the first time and the other person doesn't get it through and can advance after three attempts, if the the person who's ahead and was very good with the pass struggles with shooting the three, then it's pretty easy to catch up with them if you're a good shooter. And so it kind yeah. of renders the passing ability insignificant, I would say. And it, it kind of turns it more into a shooting competition. Not yeah, it does. broader skills. So I'm with you on that too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more show. 
This is Howard Beck of Bleacher Report, and I am on the NBA beat. As we wind down, I did want to ask you about the LGBT element to it. Let's talk about the whole optics of Charlotte having the All-Star Game festivities this season, two years after the NBA revoking those privileges due to the state of North Carolina passing House Bill 2, the so-called bathroom bill that discriminated against transgender individuals trying to use uh, a particular bathroom. So you asked Howard Beck a couple questions about that. And I know you did a number of interviews about that while you were in Charlotte and before. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and your general takeaways. So I went to the NBA Cares event where I encountered Joe Harris and Reggie Bullock initially just to talk to Jason Collins. And I got a a really good interview with him. And he spoke with me extensively about House Bill 2 and the repeal and, and the NBA's decision to first move the game away and then come back. Um, we spoke about way more than just HB2, though. We also talked about how the WNBA has led the way in um, promoting inclusion and combating homophobia among sports leagues and how the NBA is, has kind of followed that example. He spoke with me about this season, how many NBA teams are hosting their first annual Pride Nights. And he also told me how he works with the league and specifically with rookies, NBA rookies, to teach them about LGBTQ issues. So that was really encouraging to hear. And um, I'm going to be writing more about that in the near future. I also got to speak to Reggie Bullock, who's a big ally in the LGBTQ community. I wrote a story about that um, in 2014 when his transgender sister was murdered. After that, he started to really educate himself about the community and and the issues that they face. And now he's become, alongside Kenneth Fareed, the biggest ally among NBA players. So I spoke with them, and um, I also got to speak with openly bisexual WNBA All-Star Stephanie Dolson from the Chicago Sky. It was just really wonderful talking to her about her coming out process. She did it very publicly in, in ESPN magazine in 2016 and how, how things have been for her since and how she views the, lands, the LGBTQ landscape of both the WNBA and NBA. So um, it was great to cover LGBTQ issues there. And I'm excited to continue doing that. I'm going to be talking to Reggie Bullock again next month. And I have um, several other interviews set up as well on the topic. Really great job with the reporting. We'll look out for those stories that are coming up. And I know you said that you have a lot more in the works. So that should be exciting. And then just the last thing before I let you go, I wanted to ask you more about the media personalities friends that you ran into, new friends, people we've had previously on the podcast, just whatever you want to talk about in that respect. So I saw I saw a few people we've had on the podcast. I saw James Herbert and Brad Botkin of, of um, CBS Sports. I also saw Taz Mellis from NBA TV, The Starters. 
Um, I got to meet Rachel Nichols and talk to her for a couple of minutes. That was nice. Fellow, a fellow Medill alumnus. I saw Dave McMenamin, Brian Windhorst. Like everyone was there. I also ran into my um, high school classmate who's now with Close Up 360, Josh Martin, at the Adam Silver press conference. I actually was able to get him a seat because he he entered a little bit late later, um, and there weren't many seats available. So I I motioned for him to come over. I was in the front row, and I saw that there was a seat open behind me in the second row. Um, and and so he sat down, and and we talked for a little bit. And Josh actually asked a question. It was it was awesome. Came out really well, and it, it produced a a really um, thoughtful response from the commissioner. It, it was just, it was nice to see a lot of friends of the podcast and other big time NBA media personalities in Charlotte. Yeah, there's so much else we could talk about, but I think we'll leave it there unless you wanted to add anything else. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for, for having me talk about the weekend. It was a, a wonderful experience and I look forward to hopefully covering more NBA All-Star weekends. Yeah, I hope so too. We look forward to having some very exciting guests on this podcast coming up soon, so stay tuned for that. 